to launch us into this, this topic that we'll be talking about today, I want to look at Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3. Proverbs 24, verse 3. If you don't have a Bible, you can share with me. My Bible's on the screen right there. Proverbs 24, verse 3. And it reads, it takes wisdom to have a good family. And it takes understanding to make it strong. It takes wisdom to have a good family. And it takes understanding to make it strong. And that is what I want to give us this morning. Some practical wisdom share with you some practical insights to have a dream and to have a plan for your family. Now, go to the next slide. As many of us know, Bill Cosby, in the midst of everything that has been going on in the news, it breaks my heart, it saddens me to see all of this. But I have to be honest and say that the Cosby Show was one of my family's favorite thing to watch growing up. Now, growing up, I really couldn't watch television because there was no TV during the week unless your homework was done. And I always finished homework late, never on time. But unless my father was watching The Cosby Show, that was the only time that we could watch TV even though our homework wasn't done. Because my father, he loved to imitate Cosby's dance, uh, Cosby's facial expression, even the way that he laughed. He loved to imitate those things. So he did not care if we were watching with him and our homework were not done. Because in addition to all of that, the Cosby show, it emphasized many family values. It was like the perfect family with the perfect marriage and the perfect kids. But the reason why the family was perfect, the reason why the show always ended on a high note, the reason why the arguments and issues always were resolved in a funny way is because it was scripted. It was planned. And at that time and even after that, many families desired to have a family, had a dream to have a family just like the Huxtables. But in order to have a dream of this family, just like the Huxtables, you got to have a script. You got to have a plan that you're following. And this is what I want to ask you this morning. Do you have a plan for your family in 2019? Do you have a plan that is laid out for the next three to six months, for the next year, this upcoming year, this year that we're in of 2019? Do you have a plan? Because the truth is, we spend so much time planning and dreaming for everything else except our families. Now, before you tune me out, let's define family. Because a family, for many people, are, is different things. It doesn't matter if you're single, if you're married, or if you're divorced, or if you're married and you want to be divorced, or if you're married with children or without children, or if you're just a single parent. When I say family, I mean your nucleus. I mean, I'm talking about your home life. So it doesn't matter how you define family. The point really is too many families have no strategy or no plan to guide them. And if you're not creating a plan, you're reacting to everyone's plans for you. Now, there are some people who, on top of not having a plan for their family, the family is really just an afterthought. Because what preoccupies their time and their energy is all of the other things that they want to accomplish personally in their own lives. Which is why we have so many 
public successes and private failures. Because what they decided to do, either intentionally or unintentionally, was to sacrifice their family at the altar of their own personal dreams. And never had a plan, never had a dream for their family. But the truth is, your family should not just be an afterthought. Your family should not just be something that exists. Because the very first thing that God made in his image after he created the world was man and his family. Because the family for God is a priority. God God established it this way because everything you do, everything you are, really should flow out of your family life. Because family is that important for God. And if family is important for God, it should always also be important for us as well. So you should have a dream for your family. You should have a plan for your family. You should have a strategy for your family. So this morning, for the first part, I want to kind of like walk through this biblically. And then at the end, I want to kind of get practical with a handout so that you can create your own dream and your own plan and your own strategy for your family. Remember, regardless of how you define family, we all need a plan. Tell your neighbor, we need a plan. Come on, come on. Tell your neighbor, we need a plan. The first thing I would say is you need a rally cry. Someone say rally cry. Come on, come on. You guys already know I'm going to need some participation. Someone say rally cry. Rally cry. cry. A great example of a rally cry we'll find in Scripture is in Joshua. Joshua chapter 24, um, verse 15, the second portion of that verse, where it says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, this verse right here, this is the definition of a rally cry. Because it's at this moment that Joshua is speaking to the nation of Israel. And he says, listen here, guys. Whatever you guys want to do, whatever you guys decide to do is completely up to you. But let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. As for me and my house, this is what we're going to do. We are going to serve the Lord. That's that's, that's a rally cry. Because a rally cry, it defines the focus of your family. It describes who your family is. It describes what is your family all about. And so often we find families that simply exist with no purpose because they don't have a rally cry. They don't have anything that they're surrounding themselves around that they're focused on for the next three months, six months, or even the year. Let's take a look at this. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6. This is the NIV. It says, train children to live the right way, and when they are old, they will not stray from it. Many of us, we might know the old King James Version. says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. But what I want us to kind of like look at and realize here, regardless of the version or translation that you're using, I want us to realize and notice the it. They will not stray from it. They will not depart from it. You see, this is the thing. You as your family, you need to define what is that it. What is the it factor for your family? And when you establish that it, that lets your children know this is what we are about. You see, many of our kids, they end up going out into the world looking for stuff that's already in their home because you never define 
the it. You never clearly articulated what is the it about our family. You've got to be clear, what is the it for us? This past week after service, I met these two kids, amazing kids. Right after service, we were having a conversation. They introduced themselves to me, Daenery and Delea. I think I pronounced it right. They introduced themselves to me, very animated children. And after they individually introduced themselves to me, they say, and we are the Demeric kids. I didn't hear them clearly, so I didn't quite understand what they were saying until later I found out that that was their last name. But just the way that they said it was such enthusiasm. They were proud that there's something about us. There's something unique. There's something different about us. But you just got to find out what it is. And I wanted to know, who's the demerit? What's going on? Who is the demerit? They owned who they were. They appreciated. They embraced who they were. They were proud of it. Which tells me that there's something about this family. They know what this it is. They're growing into this it factor. What is your it factor when it comes to your family? So in order to create a rally cry, there's two things that you need to clarify. Number one, what makes your family unique? Who are you? Who is your family? What is it about your family that is so different? Because when you clearly identify who your family is, it distinguishes your family from simply raising a family to a family that's just providing room and board to everyone within this household where everyone's just roommates. Because you never clearly defined or articulated who is our family, what is unique about our family. This is one of the reasons why I believe that Jesus did not fall into temptation from, with Satan. This is one of the reasons why I believe that Jesus was not tempted under the tricks of Satan. Because right before all of this happened, God defined the it for Jesus. At the baptism of Jesus, God spells out, this is what makes you unique. God says, this is who we are. The Bible says when Jesus comes up out of the Jordan River, the heavens open up and God settles the identity issue for Jesus. So he's able to go into the wilderness and not be tempted and not be affected by the enemy because it was settled before he went out. See, this is what you got to do for your family. What is it that makes us unique? What is it that makes us different? What are we about? This one, I want to use my brother-in-law. He came all the way from... Uh, North, from North Carolina, South Carolina, Carolina, California, <laughs> L.A. <laughs> he came all the way just for this illustration here. So. Oh. <laughs> so here it is. I can push him all I want and every. He is so excellent. It runs in the family. I can push him as much as I want. And every time I push him, he moves. Every time I push him, he moves. Now, what you don't know about my brother-in-law is that he plays football as well. So here it is. Uh, Timmy, take your position. When he, don't tackle him now. <laughs> when he takes his position and I push him, he doesn't move. He doesn't move because he's in position. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is what I really want us to understand. 
When our kids go out into the world and they know who they are, they know the it factor, they know what makes them unique. When they know who they are, that means they are positioned in their it. So when they go out into the world, the enemy throws things at them, the world throws things at them, they're not moved. What is the it factor? What makes your kids, what makes your family unique? This is why you've got to have a rally cry. You've got to answer the question, what makes us unique? Who are we? What are we committed to? If you're married, you should ask, what brought us together? What were the similarities that drew me to you? If you're single, ask your friends, what draws you to me? What is it that you like about me? That will kind of help you distinguish and identify what makes me unique. What makes me different from everyone else? For my wife and I, we, it was ministry that brought us together. I was a, I haven't seen that down here, a party promoter, but for uh, youth parties. So I was throwing gospel parties in New York. And I booked her. She was a singer and also a break dancer. So I booked her the first time, and I booked her again, and then I booked her again, and I booked her down the aisle, and then I booked her with two kids. So <laughs> I, I, I kept booking her. But it was ministry that drew us. So our, 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 what makes us unique is ministry, our investment into ministry. And I used to say we were workaholics until my pastor friend said, no, workaholics, you shouldn't say that. He said, you should say you're driven. But the, we're driven as well. That's what makes us unique as a couple. That's what makes us unique as a family. You could see it even in my daughter. She is very driven. She is very determined. Peyton, oh my gosh, it's so annoying. He is very driven and determined. That's what sets us apart as a family. The second question you should ask yourself is, what is your top priority? What is your top priority for your family right now? Not last year, but right now. You don't want to distinct, you don't want to try and merge it together and try because of what you gave last year and try and give it this year because you never want to give someone that they no longer, something they no longer need. What is the family's top priority right now? So as a family, we need to be able to define and to know what is the most important thing for us right now in this season that we are in. Now, as I've just stated that, I believe that many of us, especially the women who are here, you already have a list of things that's running through your mind. You may have a list of maybe 30 things that's running through your mind right now. But I want to caution you and tell you this. If everything is a priority, then that means that nothing is a priority. If everything is a priority, then nothing is a priority. So if you have a list of 30 things, let's crunch it down. Let's minimize it. Let's shrink it to what is the most important thing that our family can rally around, that our family can focus on. What is the top priority for maybe this week? What is the top priority for maybe this month? What is the top priority for maybe this quarter or this semester? What is the one thing that we need to make the most important thing right now? And when you settle that what and when you settle and understand what is that top priority for you, don't abandon it. Don't abandon it. 
Hold on to it. Even if it's inconvenient for your friends, hold on to it. Even if it doesn't make sense to your coworkers, hold on to it. Let's look back at the text. This is why Joshua says, y'all do whatever you want to do. But as for me and my house, this is our rally cry. This is who we are. This is what makes us unique. And our top priority is that we will serve the Lord. For my family, I can say that this year, one of the things that we are rallying around is relationships. At the beginning of the year, I asked my daughter, London, I said, what's one thing you want to do this year? She broke my heart. Well, yeah, it didn't break my heart, but it, it really touched me. She said, I want to spend more time with daddy. She said, I want to spend more time with daddy. So that's the one thing that she wants. So we're rallying around relationships. On Saturday mornings as a family, we have family devotions. We're rallying around relationships, our relationship with our Heavenly Father. My wife and, my wife and I realized that last year we didn't have as many date nights because we just came into the church. We were, we were doing a lot, things, a lot of things were going on. So now we're trying to be more intentional about our date nights. As a family, we, it wasn't until October, November, I realized I had three weeks vacation available to, <laughs> to me. I only took one week off. So this year we're trying to be more intentional as a family. So we scheduled out our time apart because we're rallying around relationships. What is it about your family that makes you unique? What is it that makes you different? The second thing that you need to understand and to know is you need defining objectives. Everyone say defining objectives. It's, it's a big word, but it's really simple. Defining objectives. Now, defining objectives, they're pretty much what they are is what are the new or special things that we need to start doing in order to attain or arrive at our rally cry? What are the new things we need to start doing to arrive at our rally cry? But for some of us, for most of us, it's not just about what are the new things we need to start doing. But it's also, what are the things that we need to stop doing? What are the things that we need to stop doing to accomplish our rally cry, to accomplish our top priority? So once we determine what the top priority is for our family, we need to identify what should we start doing and what should we stop doing in order to achieve and rally around our rally cry. Let's look back at this passage what is the defining objective for Joshua here in the text? Right after Joshua says, y'all do whatever you want to do, but as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. The people stand up and they speak up and they say, we want to serve the Lord too. And right after their response, Joshua gives the defining objectives. He lays it all out for them. He says, this is what you need to start doing. And this is what you need to stop doing in order to connect with what's our priority, in order to rally around our family's top priority. Joshua 24, verse 23. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. He says you need to stop with the idols and start by turning your hearts back to God. This is our defining objective. 
If you really want to achieve this as your top priority, this is what you need to stop doing, and this is what you need to start doing. You see, many of us, as we start the new year, we have these lists, we have these dreams, we have these aspirations, we have these resolutions, and then we say, yes, I'm going to do it. Yes, I'm going to accomplish it. But one thing I realized, it's easy to have a start doing list, but many of us will find it difficult, but what we need most is a stop doing list. What are we as a family going to stop doing for this year? Are we going to stop eating out, stop living beyond our means, maybe postpone a career change, stop neglecting our marriage, stop saying yes to everyone and everything? You need defining objectives. This is why Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, where there is no revelation, people literally cast off restraint. Some of us know it as where there is no vision, the people perish. Basically, where there is no understanding, people do whatever they want. People do anything they want to do. And this is why so many families find themselves all over the place because they never settled on what they need to stop doing at this moment. They never gave themselves the permission to stop doing something for the most important thing in their lives right now in this season that they're in. So here it is. So many families, they suffer because we never realize what we need to stop doing. Our marriages suffer because we never come to terms as to what we need to stop doing. Our children suffer because we've never identified what we need to stop doing. Our health suffers because we never articulated what we need to stop doing. So for the next three to six months, what are the things that you need to stop doing in order to get to where your family needs to go? Because sometimes stopping is the start of something new. So just review. Number one, you need a rally cry. What is your priority? Number two, you need defining objectives. What are we going to start and stop doing? Lastly, this is the last thing that... The last thing you need is standard objectives. Standard objectives. Now, standard objectives are basically the things that you need to do all the time. The things you need to do all the time in order to achieve and arrive at your rally cry. Now, these are not new things. These are not special things. These are not stop doing things. These are the basic everyday things, the basic weekly things, the basic monthly things that you need to do. Let's look back at the passage, Joshua 24. Joshua questions the people and asks them, are you sure this is what you want? Are you sure you want this for your family? Because if this is the same goal you want, the same vision you want for your family, there are some things that you need to do as a routine. There are some things that you can't change. There are some things that must remain the same. There are some things that must remain a consistent part of your life. Joshua 24 verse 25. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them the decrees and laws. Joshua reaffirms the decrees and 
laws. Because just like standard objectives, these are the basic things that you need to do consistently in order to arrive at this rally cry, in order to arrive at your top priority for your family. Now, I want to make sure that it's clear. I know I've gave a few examples, but your family's rally cry, it may look different than my family's rally cry. Your, your family's defining objectives, it will look different than my family's defining objectives. In the same token, your family's standard objectives will look different than my family's standard objectives. So at the end of the service, I want to give us a worksheet so that you can go home and be able to create and craft this plan and the strategy, this dream for your family, sitting down together and articulating it so that every single person in your family is aware. Yesterday, we went to a conference, so we didn't have family devotion in, in the morning when we normally have it. As soon as we got home, London came and London said, Daddy, we, need fa we have to do our family devotions. In my mind, I was thinking, you know, we normally do it in the morning, so we'll just leave it till next, next week. But because I included her in the process, I included her into it, she's an accountability partner for me, us as well. Because she knows where our family is going. She knows what our family is rallying around. So with the next few minutes that I have with you, I want to look at a few things that you might want to consider as a standard objective. Just a few things you might want to consider as a standard objective. The first thing I'm, I, I might want to suggest to you is authentic faith. Authentic faith. Now, I believe that it is important for all of us to be a member of a church, for you to consider a church a, a home place for you, where you are being developed and discipled. But I also believe that having authentic faith is so much more than attending church on Sunday morning. But I, I believe that authentic faith, it pushes you away from a religious way of life to a passionate, thriving relationship, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, many of us, I hope that we're not just fasting just because the church is corporately fasting. But you've gotten to a point in your life where you want to see and experience God move in your life personally. I, I, I pray that many of us, we're not serving just because the pastor asked you to serve, but that you really believe that God has given you a gift, a skill, and a talent, and God can use you to have an impact on someone else's life. I, I, I pray that many of us, we're not reading our Bibles simply to show off our knowledge and how vast we are in Scripture, but that you really want to see the Word of God come alive in your life. As I, as I was working on this message, I came across this, and it, it rocked me. I think I have the quote here. It says, authentic faith is a faith that cannot tolerate mediocrity in their relationship with God. It's a faith that will not make excuses. In other words, I take ownership in allowing God to move in my life. I take ownership in allowing God to convict me of my actions, allowing God to stretch me and mold me, allowing God to develop me and disciple me as a disciple. 
where I'm not willing to make excuses when it comes to my spiritual growth. I'm not willing to make excuses when it comes to forgiving someone. I'm not willing to make excuses when it comes to serving others. But I'm willing to open myself up and no excuses at all when it comes to being the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere I am. You see, one of the greatest things that we can teach our children is how invested we are in our personal relationship with the Lord outside of these four walls. That's when they know that you, are, you have a personal relationship with the Lord. Because besides that, coming on Sunday is just a routine. But when you do things outside of routine, it means something to you. And if it means something to you, then as a child, I want to know, why does it mean so much to mom and dad? Authentic faith. Now, this, this is just a few, few um, standard objectives to consider. Number two, the second um, standard of objectives to consider is discover purpose. Discover purpose. Now, throughout grade school, I did not like writing essays, papers. I detested that. <laughs> I think we all... And I, but I had an English professor which kind of like gave me a, a, an idea or a way to kind of like start it off. And it was Mr. Hoberman. And Mr. Hoberman said, always start your essay or your paper with a quote. And then just break the quote down throughout the entire paper. That got me through high school and partially through seminary. It didn't quite work out too well over there. But I came across a quote and the quote is, I'm not sure if I have it here, but the quote is, all of us are born originals, but to many of us, but many of us die as carbon copies. All of us are born originals, but many of us die as carbon copies. You see, this quote, is stuck out to me because I believe young and old, so many of us, we try to spend our lives trying to be like someone else, trying to do what other people are doing. And the tragedy is that we never discover what God has created us to do personally, intricately within us. You see, you are an original. And the one, and one of the greatest things you could ever do for your family or for yourself is discover what makes me so unique. Discover how did God create me. I want to look at this, Acts 20, verse 24. However, I consider myself, this is Paul speaking, however, I consider myself, my, my life, excuse me, my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying the, to the good news of God's grace. You see, each and every single one of us, we have a task. And our responsibility is to discover what is that task. That's why I believe as a parent, your job is to be a prophet or prophetess where you lay hands and speak life on your children. Don't just tell them all the negative and bad things that they're doing, but tell them what they do right. Tell them the good things that they are doing. And I believe the same way you speak life over your children, you should speak life over your spouse as well. When my wife turns over, I lay hands on her and I speak life into her as well. Are you speaking life? into your children, into your spouse. This is, this is one thing that I believe that our church has embraced. We believe every single one of us should discover our purpose, which is one of the reasons why we have a next steps class where we have devoted a complete and entire section 
to you discovering and understanding your purpose and personality. I believe it is your responsibility as a creation of the Heavenly Father to know why am I here? What purpose? Because I know, I believe once you know your purpose, then you'll be able to have an impact in the lives and influence of those around you. So, once again, this is just things to consider as standard objectives. A third thing I would like to consider is right relationships. Right relationships. Now, my, my wife and I, we are very mindful of who we allow our kids to be around and hang around. Just as for ourselves, we are mindful of that. Now, just so that we're clear, I'm not talking about we can't say hi or hang out or be cool with anyone. But I'm talking about people that we're doing life with. Because I believe that the sum total of your life will be the people that you spend the most time with. Because I can tell you how your life will be next week and next month based on the people that you hang around. Let's look at this, Proverbs 27 verse 19. It says, a mirror reflects a man's face. But what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. This, this is why in, in, in our church, we promote and we emphasize life groups. We believe that life groups is where you need to be. We have life groups starting in this semester almost every day of the week with a variety of different topics and so that you can see how your life and your faith can intersect Monday through Friday, I believe it is our responsibility to connect you into right relationships because that's how your life will change by the people that you have around you. Now, I, I think it's great that we can come here on Sunday morning, but Monday through Friday when I need someone to pray for me, I think that's what the life group is there for. When I need somebody to, to, to share a scripture for me, Monday through Friday, that's, that's what the life group is there for. I can't wait till Sunday. When I need someone to just be there with me, that's what the life group is there for. I can't wait till Sunday. When I need someone to just call me and ask me, how am I doing? Are you in a life group? In, in our church, we say that circles are better than roles. Because we believe that relationship happens in circles. Growth happens in circles. Because it's far much better than sitting in a row every Sunday and just looking at the back of the head of someone else. Circles are better than rows. So after service, um, in, our, in, in the lobby, there's going to be some sign-up sheets. So you can sign up for the life groups that are coming up starting in on February, the first week of February, February 5th. Or you can also go online and sign up in that, that fashion. But I want each and every single one of us to get in a life group, to not do life by yourself. Last semester, we had a great semester, fall semester. There were some great testimonies, some ma many individuals that took their next step when it came to life groups. If you haven't taken your next step, your first step is joining a life group. Once again, these are just considerations. The last one I want to give to you is amazing grace. Standard objective, last consideration is amazing grace. Amazing grace, I believe it's amazing because, first of all, we don't deserve it. It's amazing because just like we don't deserve it, God still gives it to us and expect that we give it back 
to others. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. We should be intentional about showing grace to the person next to us. All because God showed grace to you and I. It's, it's pretty interesting to see how some individuals or some people would get mad because they're still holding on to the mistakes of others, mistakes that people did four or five years ago. I believe the reason why you still hold on to that is because you don't understand grace. You, 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 you haven't fully embraced what grace is. Because when you understand and know what grace is, and you're basking in the grace of God, knowing that almighty, all-loving God loves you so much, in spite of what you have done, it will impact you in such a way where there's some things that you want to say, the Holy Spirit will kick in. No, no, don't say that. There's some things you want to do, the Holy Spirit will kick in. Nope, don't do that. There's some revenge that you want to take for yourself, the Holy Spirit. No, no, don't do that. Because you understand what grace is. You're willing to give it to someone else. I believe every single relationship that we are part of needs grace. I want to read this and then we'll be closing out. It reads, a father passing by his son's bedroom was astonished to see the bed was nicely made and everything was picked up. Then he saw an envelope propped up um, prominently on the pillow. It was addressed, Dad. With the worst premonition, he opened the, the envelope and read the letter with trembling hands. Dear Dad, it is with, with, it is with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing to you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with mom and you. I've been finding real passion with Stacy. She is so nice, but I knew you would not approve of her because of her piercings, tattoos, her tight motorcycle clothes, and because she is so much older than I am. But it's not only the passion, Dad. She's pregnant. Stacy said that we will be very happy. She owns a trailer in the woods and has a stack of firewood for the whole entire winter. We share a dream of having many more children. Stacy has opened, opened my eyes even to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt anyone. We'll be growing it for ourselves and trading it with the other people in the commune for all the cocaine and ecstasy we want. In the meantime, we'll pray that science will find a cure for AIDS so that Stacy can get better too. She sure does deserve it. Don't worry, Dad. I'm 15, and I know how to take care of myself. Someday, I'm sure we'll be back to visit you, to get to know you even more as you get to know our grandchildren. Love your son, Joshua. P.S. Dad, none of the above is true. I'm over at Jason's house. I just wanted to remind you that there are worse things in life than the school report card that's sitting on the kitchen table. Call me when it's safe for me to come home. You know what this letter reveals? We need grace. Some of you guys are like, man, I thought my kids were bad. Yeah, I want to end with this. 
my daughter, London, she, if you just look at her the wrong way, she'll start crying. She's that emotional and that sensitive. So we always talk about how, London, you're the oldest. You need to act as if you need to act your age. So I don't quite remember exactly what happened, but there was one day London did something to Peyton, which doesn't happen too often uh, because Peyton's really the bully. Uh, London did something to her, and I, I came to her and I said, London, you should know better. You should know better. You're older than him. Why did you do that? Why did you do that? And I'm raising my voice. I said, London, come on. You should know. I told you not to do that to, before to him. And she obviously starts, and she's crying. And as she's crying, she's like, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Dad. And as, as, I'm, as I'm saying, you should know better. You're older. And she's like, but daddy, do, do, do you still love me? I think that's my little girl. Yeah. And right at that moment, I paused. And I said, London, of course I love you. You're my baby girl. You see, many of us, we need to know there are times in our lives where God gets upset at us. But in spite of him getting upset, he still has an everlasting love for us. And he opens up his arm and he says, come to me. And that's the exact same thing that I did. I said, London, come to me. Yes, daddy loves you. Regardless of what you do, I will always love you. See, that's what grace is all about. In spite of what I've done, in spite of where I've been, God still has his arms wide open and says, I love you. We need grace. We need grace. These are just a few things I wanted to share with you guys as a standard objectives. Linda, can you pass these out? I want to give this out to each and every single family. Basically, as I stated earlier, what I just preached and taught, I wanted to do it kind of through scripture. But now I want to give you a worksheet. Every family gets one that you can work through this as a family. Either for the next three months, this is your plan. For the next six months, this is your plan. Or for the next year, for this, for this year, this is the plan that you guys have established. Could, could someone help her, please? This is the plan that you guys have established. So on this, every single point that I've mentioned is listed out here. As they're being passed around, I'll just read it to you guys, those of you guys that have it. I put an example on this so you guys can also have an idea. So number one, what makes our family unique? The example here, it says, we are an affectionate family that encourages emotional expression. Honesty and integrity are the foundation of our family. And we value humor, laughter, and silliness. We surround ourselves with friends and family that share a sense of mutual de dependability and trust. Mom has a flexible part-time job that allows for consistent participation in the kids' lives. 
This is what makes this family unique. This is what separates this family. Then the next part, what is our top priority? What, is our, what are we rallying around right now? This family wrote down more quality core for family time. Basically, family time for the entire family is a family of four. Right, right after they finish writing their rally cry, they list five defining objectives of what they need to start doing and stop doing as a family. Five things they list down. And then at the bottom, standard objectives. Things that we're going to do every single day, every single week. We're going to focus on our marriage, focus on our extended family, our finances, our health, and faith. Now, the reason why it's at the bottom is not because it's less important or for you to minimize it. It's the foundation. This is the foundation. This is what's going to keep your family together. The rock. This bottom portion right here. And then lastly, how will we talk about and use answers to these questions? Mom and dad meet Sunday evenings for about 15 minutes after the kids have gone to bed. I want to encourage you, just as I did myself in my, my family, we talked about it with our kids. Include your kids. What is it that they see? What is it that they're thinking about when it comes to the top priority of your family? Now, this could change. This could vary. It doesn't have to be for an entire year that you're doing this. This could be maybe for, the, for this three months. The next three months, this is what we're focusing on. This is our plan. This is our strategy. This is our, our, our objective. Maybe for the next six months, this is our plan. This is our strategy. This is our objective. Amen? Amen? My heart's desire is that we would be a family-oriented church where our families are growing, not just numerically, that would be great, but also intimately amongst one another. That we see more fathers here, fathers involved and invested in their family. Marriages are thriving. Marriages are growing. And children have a sense of who they are. And they're not looking out into the world for the it factor. But they find it here at home. That's my heart. That's my dream. That's my desire. For us to be a family-oriented church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that this morning that we can come in your presence. And we can emphasize some values some commitments for us as a family, corporately, but also individually. Father, I pray that you would bless the times of each and every single family that would meet together, that would gather together as they highlight their, type, their top priority, as they highlight what makes them unique, their defining objective, their standard objective. Father, I pray that you would give them clarity. I pray that you would give them understanding as they develop this dream, develop this strategy, and develop this plan. And ultimately, you would receive all the glory and all the honor. It's in your name we pray.